0: Are you having as much fun as I am? I just love things like this. I really do. So a man comes home from work, walks in the door of his house, and his wife greets him with the words, Honey, we have a problem with the car. He says, What sort of problem? She says, Well, I think it's water on the carburetor. (laughs) He said, you don't know the difference between a muffler and a steering wheel. What do you mean water on the carburetor? And then he said, by the way, where is the car? She said, in the swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is worse than you think. I never tell a story in the pulpit, I hope, just to be cute. The problem is worse than you think it is. I'm going to say that again. The problem on planet Earth, the reason why things aren't the way they're supposed to be, the problem is worse than you think it is. But the solution is better than you ever dreamed. We could almost have the benediction and go home right there. Tonight we're going to talk about sin, the problem. Because everybody knows there's a problem on planet Earth. Things aren't what they ought to be. Karl Marx thought he knew what the problem was. It's the unequal distribution of the wealth. Plato and the philosophers thought they knew what the problem was. The problem is ignorance. If we'd just build more schools, we could create utopia. Sigmund Freud thought he knew what the answer to the, the, what the problem was. It's the subconscious If you would just go to therapy and get in touch with all those dark drives inside, and we could change the world. The Republicans know what the problem is. They think it's the Democrats. (laughs) And the Democrats, they know what the problem is. They think it's the Republican. The list could go on. Everybody knows there's a problem on planet Earth. But Jesus Christ and the gospel, and this book alone say the problem is sin. Sin. Now, why do I preach about sin? I'm so glad you asked. Because I talk about sin for the same reason doctors talk about disease, germs, infection, viruses. I mean, they do it all the time. You ever been around doctors? They're obsessed with disease and germs. Why is that? Is it because they're weird, mean people? No, it's because they love health. They love when the human body works like it's supposed to work. Now, if you have a doctor that doesn't talk about germs and disease, I would encourage you to change doctors. And if you go to a church where the pastors don't talk about sin, change churches. Life is too short. The issues are too great. So tonight we're going to talk about sin. It's a subject that doesn't get a lot of airtime these days in the pulpit. It's sort of skirted. We want to be seeker-friendly. We want to be politically correct. And for heaven's sake, we don't want to offend people. Let me just tell you up front, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. And if it's not offensive, it's not being preached the way it ought to be preached. I mean, it will Rock your world when you hear it. It is not politically correct. I've got a few books on my shelves that are worth the price of the book just for the first sentence in the book. I'd love to talk to you about books sometime. But here's just one book. It's written, oh, 30 years ago by Richard Foster, The Celebration of Discipline. It's a great book. Here's the first sentence. Sentence number one, chapter one, page one, first sentence. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant gratification is a primary problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. Superficiality. And nowhere is the church, in my humble opinion the contemporary church more superficial than in its understanding of sin i'm going to say it again nowhere do i find the church more just skimming the surface than in what the church today says about sin we need to go deep in our understanding of sin. I love the doctrine of sin. And I think it's for the same reason doctors love to study pathology. Because sin is what keeps us from holiness. Now this is I think a holiness church. At least that's your tradition, my tradition. You'll never understand holiness ever 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 unless you understand sin. The depth of your understanding of holiness will be matched by the depth of your understanding of sin. You see, most people in the church today think of sin as a behavior problem. And that Jesus died so we could practice behavior modification. Isn't that what the gospel is about? Behavior modification? That is a very superficial understanding of the problem. Because churches that focus on behavior modification, you know what they produce? Pharisees. Legalists. We don't need any more of them in the church. We have enough already, if you haven't noticed. Jesus did not die on a cross to make bad people good. Jesus died on a cross to make dead people come alive. (laughs) Somebody really ought to say amen there. That's a thank you. I think I was 50 before I really began to get this. You can sit on a church pew for decades with this superficial understanding of sin. Because when you don't understand the depths of the problem then the gospel just becomes, try harder, try harder, try harder. When I look at our nation today and the issues that confront us, racism, I thought we had conquered that, and I think we've all learned, nope, It may be as as deep a problem as we've got. Gender confusion and all the other issues of our day. I just heard Tony Evans not long ago, an African-American preacher, great preacher. He made the statement, in America today, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. That'll preach right there. I said, amen, brother. It's not a color of skin, it's the sin, and that is the church's unique role in culture, to speak to what Jesus says the problem is, the problem of sin. We live with an understanding of the gospel that years ago Reinhold Niebuhr, of all people, said, a God without wrath brings men without sin into a kingdom without justice judgment through the ministrations of a christ without a cross welcome to the contemporary church so today we're going to talk about sin i love what gk chesterton said about the doctrine of total depravity he said you know this is not the most popular doctrine of christians But it is the easiest one to prove. (laughs) You don't laugh at the right places. That's very funny. The doctrine of sin may not be popular. But I love to remind our folks in New York, if you want an illustration of what the doctrine of total depravity looks like, just visit the two-year-old department in the nursery. Mine, mine, mine the competition going on, the clicks going on, the bullying going on. So let's talk about sin tonight and the problem. We're going to look at the book of Leviticus, chapters 13 and 14. I forgot to tell the sound people, Leviticus 13 and 14, and I've got the English Standard Version. Um, we're not going to read all these two chapters The book of Leviticus gets overlooked a lot. I got real excited about Leviticus a few years ago in New York and ended up preaching a series of 18 sermons on Leviticus called the series Holy Smoke. I felt the Lord gave me that title. It is a wonderful book. And one of the reasons our church is superficial is we've overlooked books like Leviticus, Well, Leviticus 13 and 14, Moses gives two full chapters of details about leprosy. Now, it's not just about leprosy, but it's about skin disease, whether it's cirrhosis or eczema or acne or leprosy. If you've got a problem on your skin, you better know what the difference is between cirrhosis And leprosy. But it's not just problems on the skin, it may be problems, something's growing on your clothing or on the wall of your closet. There's green mildew or something growing. There's a fungus. There's fungus among us. And we've got two chapters that Moses gives to help diagnose the problem. Now Moses here doesn't tell us how to cure leprosy because the assumption was if it's leprosy there is no cure you die. But they tell us how to diagnose the problem. So what we're going to do tonight is compare sin to leprosy. I just I just love these chapters. You're going to I hope you're going to be as blessed as I am as I read some of these manual instructions for priests when someone in Israel has a spot on their skin. What should you do? I'm so glad you asked. That's the right question. You have something green growing on the wall of your house. What should you do? Is it serious or not? Let's read. Yeah, I, I wish you could see the way you're looking at me right now. You're, you're. Some of you are saying, "I should have stayed home and watched Wheel of Fortune or something." That doesn't come on Sunday night, does it? Leviticus 13. I'm just going to read some. If you've got your Bibles, just follow along. Leviticus 13. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, "When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling," an eruption, or a spot, and it turns into the case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to the doctor. If you have a spot on your skin, who do you go see? The priest. The priest, not the doctor. To the priest, or to one of his sons, and the priest shall examine the diseased area of the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is the case of a leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him what? Not sick. If you have leprosy, you're not sick. You're what? Unclean. Oh, it takes my breath away. What an interesting way to describe it. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days, and the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It's only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Are you feeling blessed right now? What's this doing in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Moses says there are some human issues that are simple and not to worry about. And there are some that will kill you dead. And we need to find the means of discerning deep. Go deep. The problem. Let me just skip down. Look at verse 18. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil... So now we're not just a spot, but a boil, and it heals. And in the place of the boil, there comes a white swelling or a wetish white spot, etc. Verse 24, or when the body has a burn, oh, it could be a burn on the skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, a reddish white or white spot. Skip down to verse 29. When a man or a woman has the disease on the head or on the beard, the priest shall examine the disease. And if it appears deeper than the skin and the hair is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It's an itch. You ever had the itch? Not pleasant. But an itch is not the same thing as leprosy. We need to understand that. Verse 36 38, excuse me, when a man or a woman has spots on the skin of his body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of his body are dull white, it's leucoderma. I wish I was a medical doctor. This would have to be fascinating information. Verse 45, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip we know what it means to wear masks don't we that's what we're talking about and cry out unclean unclean so when you walk through the market the leper has to let everybody know i'm not sick i'm unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he doesn't just have leprosy he is a leper i'm going to say that again the problem is worse than you think you don't just have sin you are a sinner It's not just something you have. It's who you are, who I am. He is unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Why? Because we hate lepers? No, because one leper is a threat to the entire nation. One person with COVID-19 is a threat to the whole state. It's contagious. Verse 47, when there is a case of leprous disease in a garment. Okay, now we've moved from the skin. What if I've got something growing on my clothing? Fungus among us. What do you do then? And there's all kind of instructions. Look at chapter 14. We're almost done with the scripture. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. It's very fun to read, by the way. Chapter 14, verse 33. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease where? In a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, there seems to be some case of disease in my house. That's a text that is dying to be preached right there. Pastor, there's some disease in my house, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know whether I should be concerned or I don't know whether we should tear the house down and start again. What a great question. Some of you are really listening to me right now. There seems to be a case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall examine, shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to see the house and he shall examine the disease, and if the disease is in the walls of the house with greenish or reddish spots, and it appears to be deeper than the surface, you get the idea. End of the chapter, end of chapter 14, verse 54. This is the law for any case of leprous disease, for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, for a swelling or an eruption or a spot to show when it is unclean and when it is clean, this is the law for leprous diseased. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? What I want to do tonight, and that when my introductions are long, my sermons are short, I want to look at seven ways leprosy is like sin. Because in the scriptures leprosy is not just leprosy. It's a metaphor of what's wrong with the soul. You see usually when we talk about sin in church we use the legal model for sin. You break a law and we turn to books like Romans and Galatians and talk about the law. You break the law, you're a sinner. Okay, that's true. Tonight I'm using the medical model of sin. Sin is not just breaking a law. Sin is an infection in the human nature that is a perversion, a twisting of who we are. The problem is worse than you think it is. I mean, it is much worse than you think it is. So, seven ways leprosy helps us understand sin. You ready? Let's go. Number one, leprosy, like sin, in its earliest stages is difficult to detect. Sin, like leprosy, when it starts, may just be, I've got a spot on, I don't know where it came from. It's on my arm and Should I be concerned about it? Is it serious or is it nothing? Is it acne (laughs) or is it leprosy? Sin is like that. When sin begins, oh my goodness, I'd love to share stories right now. I go back to high school when I began to dabble in the world. Some of it was more or less innocent, and some of it was damnable folly, (laughs) which was which. I needed someone to help me know the difference. I wonder how many alcoholics would love to be able to relive when they started what seemed like an innocent non-hurtful activity. I wonder how many people with other addictions could live, turn the tape back and say, it looked so innocent, I didn't mean anything by it. But when sin begins, it always begins, it looks like nothing. No one got hurt in its early stages. I think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What was their sin? Eating a piece of fruit. Think about that. Eating a piece of fruit. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't steal anything. Nobody got hurt. What's the deal? The problem is worse than you think. Because when we have a superficial understanding of sin, when sin begins, we tend to say, don't worry about it, kids will be kids. Don't worry about it, we're all messed up. And before you know it, we've opened the door for the floodgates of the leprosy of sin into the culture, into our families, and even into the church. Secondly, like leprosy, Sin spreads from one part of the body to the other. Could you tell as I read it? They looked, oh, there's a spot on your arm. Well, two weeks later, oh, there's a spot on my left ankle. <laughs> well, two weeks later, my head is itching, and I think, I think something's going on on my scalp. Do you know sin is like that? It starts in one place, and you think you can contain it? You know what your doctor's attitude is toward cancer? It's a wonderful thing. How much cancer will your doctor tolerate in your body? Yeah, hopefully, none. This is not something that we can manage This is something that must be destroyed because one cancer cell is all it takes to destroy a body because by definition, it spreads. Sin is like that. Once the camel gets his nose in the tent, before you know it, the whole camel will be in the tent. I remember our foreign policy years ago as a government when communism was spreading around the globe we had a policy called containment we've just got to contain communism beyond the parallel in korea beyond the parallel in vietnam we can can we contain the cancer and it's questionable how whether that worked or not can you contain sin no, sin must be destroyed. Number three, like leprosy, sin is contagious. One leper is a threat to the entire nation, and how we've lived that with COVID 19. One unrepentant sinner is a threat to the entire body of Christ. I'd love to put our chairs in a circle and just talk, share stories. I've got a friend who's a retired pastor, and he said in a small group meeting just last week, he said, one of the churches I pastored, adultery had become almost like a rite of passage for the men in the church. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there was just one after another through the decades of leading men in the church who had been guilty of adultery. And it just was a toxic condition of the congregation that was tolerated. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says to Corinth Community Church, There is a man who's sleeping with his father's wife, must have been his stepmother. In Corinth Community Church, on the membership (laughs) roll, when I preached this sermon a few years ago, I just said, I think he probably played bass on the worship team. (laughs) Forgive me, whoever was playing bass on your team today, I don't mean anything by this, but after the service in Africa, somebody came up and said, I can't believe you said that guy was the bass player. I said, why? They said, because the bass player in our church is living in sin, and the whole congregation knows it, and nothing's being done. And Paul says to the Corinthians, there's a man living, sleeping with his stepmother, And Paul says this, but I'm not really concerned about the sin. I'm concerned that you're not doing anything about it. And then he says this, don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Do you know what it does to the body of Christ when there's one unrepentant sinner living in our midst and nothing is done about it? and we accept it as normal, it makes leprosy the norm. Can you tell I'm worked up about this? So, the Scripture says leprosy, like sin, is contagious. That's why lepers must live outside the camp. Not because we hate lepers, but because we hate leprosy. Let me tell you a fourth thing. Like leprosy, sin is a deeper problem than you think it is. You think it's just a problem on the skin. And you can put a little cream, maybe take an aspirin and feel better. And Moses says, no, if that's leprosy, it is a deep problem problem it's not just what you have it is who you are it defines your identity in his autobiography surprised by joy cs lewis talks about the time he first became aware of his sin now i'm talking about a oxford professor of mythology <laughs> who in his 30s becomes a christian And he only became a Christian when he became aware of the problem, his sin. And this is what he wrote. I looked inside, and to my horror, I saw what alarmed me. A zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. Don't you wish you could write like that? He said, I saw myself. That sin is not just things I do. Sin is who I am. Let me ask you a question. Are you a sinner because you sin? Or do you sin because you're a sinner? That is a very important question. And I submit to you that most people have a very shallow understanding sitting on pews of churches today in America. They think they're sinners because they sin. They think I'm a basically good person who occasionally does really stupid things. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says we are, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Every intention of the thoughts of our hearts are only evil all the time, Genesis 6, 5. We're not good people who occasionally do bad things. We are bad people who occasionally do good things. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin Because there's a twist, there's a perversion, there's an ego, there's a pride, there's a willful hatred of God in every human heart. Go deep. Get in touch with the heart. Like leprosy, sin is a deeper problem than you think. Let me give you a fifth way that leprosy is like sin. Like leprosy, sin destroys pain sensors. Do you know that lepers can't feel pain? I'm told that a leper, if he lives in his hut in Africa or India, may put his hand in the fire during the night and never wake up because lepers don't feel pain. He may get a grain of sand in the eye, never feel pain until he goes blind. He may break a leg and never know his leg is broken until the bone is sticking out. You might think, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful not to feel pain? No. If you want to read a really good book, read Dr. Paul Brand, Missionary Doctor to India, and Philip Yancey, But Dr. Brand wrote a book called Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. And he says, I've spent my life treating lepers, and let me tell you, pain is one of God's greatest gifts. And then he makes the spiritual application, and a guilty conscience is one of God's greatest gifts. It alerts you that there's a problem. It's like the check engine light on the dashboard of the car. Oh, my goodness, I hate it when that comes on. That can ruin your whole day. Check engine. And I want to avoid it. Ignore it. But you ignore that red light, and it may not ruin your day. It may ruin your week, not to mention your checking account. That's a good light. It's a good light. And when your conscience tells you, there's a problem listen 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 in our bible study in france we had a lady named annette this is years and annette was a brand new christian delightful christian just on just alive with jesus and she had been religious but not christian but she started coming to our little church and we just loved Annette. One night during Bible study, I forget what we were studying. What I loved most about Annette was this. She did not know the language of the church. She didn't know how you were supposed to say things. I love people like that. She just blurted it out. And one night she said something like this, Oh, Pastor Stan, you know, before you came, I always thought I was a moral, religious person. But ever since you've been here, you've helped me to see what a no-good, low-down, dirty, rotten bum I really am. (laughs) But it was the twinkle in her eye that told everything. It was like, I've learned I'm a sinner, but I've learned what Jesus wants to do. With bums like me. Oh my goodness, welcome to the family. One Sunday after church in, Le- in New York, somebody came up and said, Pastor Stan, you know what we love about you? And I said, I have no idea. What do you love about Pastor Stan? And they said this, you're just as messed up as the rest of us. And I said, I'm gonna take that as a compliment because it is true. The problem is worse than you think, but the solution is better than you ever imagined. Like leprosy, sin destroys sin sensors, pain sensors. I got to wind this up. I'm almost done. You guys are listening so well. I wish you could see your faces right now. Um, You don't know what category to put me in. I'll get on a plane Thursday, and you can go back to normal. Six, like leprosy, sin in its advanced stages is hideous. It's gross. It's awful. I'm told maybe the most unpleasant part of leprosy is the stench. I've never been around lepers enough to know. But in its advanced stages, the deformities, the smells, the handicaps, the disfigurement. Sin does that. You know, I'm intrigued about the advertising industry when they portray the products that so often accompany sin whether it's alcohol or whether it's promiscuity, they always present people who are young, happy, wealthy. They never show you what people are like 30 years down the road and the vomit stains on the sofa and the divorce court's third-time appearance And the broken lives of children, the broken health, they never show you the fruit of sin. They only show you the allure. But let me promise you, in its advanced stages, sin is awful. It's destructive. It's ugly. Which leads me to the final point about sin. Like leprosy, sin will kill you the mortality rate is 100%. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it will die. Let me just repeat what we've done, and then I'm going to do one thing with you and say the benediction. Seven ways Leprosy helps us to understand sin. Let me just repeat them. In its early stages, sin is difficult to detect. It looks so innocent, so harmless. Secondly, sin spreads. You cannot contain sin. Like cancer, like leprosy, like COVID, it will spread. Spread. It's his nature. Thirdly, it's contagious. Unconfessed sin will affect other people, your children, your colleagues, your church. It will spread. Four, it's a deeper problem than you think it is. It's not a surface skin problem. It's not what you have. It's who you are. Five, it destroys your conscience, your ability to feel pain. Six, in its advanced stages, it's repulsive. And seventh, it will kill you. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. You've got to see this. Mark chapter 1. Verse 40, are you ready for this? And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said, if you will, you can make me clean he didn't say, I want you to heal me. He said, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. Get this. Jesus reached out his hand and what? He broke the law. (laughs) He broke the law, the Torah. He broke God's law. God said, don't touch a leper. Lepers are unclean, and everybody knows what's going to happen if you touch a leper, Jesus. If you touch a leper, that uncleanness is going to make you unclean. Is that what happened? No. Jesus touched the leper, and Jesus did not become unclean. What? The leper became clean because the contagion of holiness is stronger than the contagion of sin. Whoopee! (laughs) The contagion of holiness is stronger than the contagion of sin. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, deeper than the stain has gone. That's what Jesus came to do, not just to modify our behavior and give us an aspirin. He came to cleanse the depths of sin. You will never understand holiness, ever, until you understand the depth of not just bad behavior, but of our perverted, twisted, egotistical hearts. one story old country church wednesday night prayer meeting every wednesday night there was an old geezer who always prayed the same prayer oh lord sweep out the cobwebs of our lives that was his prayer every day every week sweep out the cobwebs of our lives his buddy Got tired of hearing this prayer week after week. And one Wednesday night, before the old man started his routine of the cobwebs, his friend prayed, Lord, kill the spider. I love that story. That story is a game changer. That story is a game changer. Because a lot of people have an understanding of the gospel. Lord, I messed up again this week. Lord, I sinned again this week. But sweep out the cobwebs. Is that all grace can do? I want to say that when you begin to understand the depths of sin, you begin to ask the question, Lord, I know you can forgive me for the things I've done, but can you cleanse the perverse, egotistical, arrogant jerk that I am? And when we began to ask that question, Jesus says, I'm so glad you asked. And there's a twinkle in his eye as he says, I thought you'd never begin to understand the depths of the problem because that's why I shed my blood and that's why the sanctifying spirit of Pentecost was given. Not just to modify your behavior, but to cleanse you from sin. Oh, my goodness. Come back tomorrow night. We're going to talk about the deeper life. Let me pray with you, okay? I want to give you a chance just in these closing moments to confess your sin. If anybody wants to come to an altar of prayer, of course, you can always, in a wonderful church like this, come to a place of prayer. But I want to just give you a chance to confess and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I haven't just done sins, but Lord, there's, there's a perversity in my heart. There's a prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, what's wrong? I, the things I don't want to do or the things I do. The things I do want to do are the things I don't do. Lord, the problem is not my behavior. It's so much deeper. It's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Lord, I pray tonight as we just close this first day of revival... That you would help us see the problem. It's worse than we think it is. But Lord, it's only when we see the problem that we begin to wonder and ask, Lord, can you deal with a heart like mine, the lust of ambitions, the zoo bedlam that resides within? Lord, show us the truth about ourselves so that you can show us the truth of what Christ came to do. Give us the courage. Give us the humility. Lord, would you kill the spider? Would you go to the root and make us clean? Thank you that the contagion of holiness is stronger than the contagion of sin. And that where sin abounded, grace abounds even more. In that spirit of prayer, we got a song to sing. Thank you.